In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost. Amen. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou amongst women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Queen of Confessors, pray for us. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost. Amen. The Church makes a distinction between the sacraments and the sacramentals. Sacraments are outward signs instituted by Christ to give grace, which we all learned from our Baltimore Catechism, uh, which is an excellent definition. The sacramentals are outward signs instituted by the Church to give grace. So one is instituted by Christ, the other one is instituted by the Church. They function differently. Sacraments work what's called ex opere operato, which means by the very work you perform, the thing automatically occurs. So, for example, when a priest says, this is my body over the bread, it automatically becomes Christ. But, and it doesn't matter whether the priest is holy or whether he has, um, you know, or what have you. The state of the one performing the work is not relevant to the validity of the actual sacrament. When it comes to sacramentals, it works ex opere operantes, which means that it actually is by the work of the one performing it. So it depends upon the fervor, faith, and devotion which the person who uses the sacramental how well they have that, how much faith they have, how much uh, devotion they have in the use of that sacramental will determine the efficacy of them receiving grace through the use of that sacramental. That is to be distinguished, however, between the ability of the sacramental by its very nature to influence people or to be an instrument of grace on the side of Christ. So when you use it, you're going to get a certain amount of grace as a result of actually making use of it and having the devotion. But you can take, there are certain sacramentals though that also have just an inherent spiritual effect. So for example, exercised bells, when you ring the bells, it drives out demons of the air, which are mentioned in scripture, the right in scripture. This is the reason why they used to ring bells on churches, not just to remind people it's time to say the Angelus, even though that's the, one of the principal reasons. But because the bells were exercised, every time they would ring, it would literally drive the demon in, the, in the church. Wherever the bell was heard, it would drive the demons out of the area. So I find it kind of interesting that in our culture, uh, the Muslims can get up there and chant their, their stuff, but we can't ring our bells, which kind of makes you wonder who's in charge of our culture. So they say, uh, holy water also has an inherent spiritual effect in certain cases. So like if you sprinkle holy water in certain areas, it will actually affect the demons in the area and it will drive them out. Certain sacramentals can also be put in certain locations, which we're going to talk about, to affect the other people in the area. The Satanists have the inversion of that. It's called a fortuna. It's where they put a curse on a particular thing and they'll put it in a location and then it starts affecting everybody in the area. And exorcists come across these regularly. And they can be not just in places where the demons put them or the people put them because the demons can actually transport them, God permitting. 
but they can sometimes be found in people who are possessed after the, after the possession is broken, the, uh, as the possession is breaking, the fortuna will actually come out of them. And then the, once it comes out, then it's broken. So there's different kinds of sacramentals have different kinds of effects. There's different kinds of sacramentals, and we want to go through some of them. It's unfortunate that the sacramental use has collapsed in the life of the church because their use is one of the principal means by which Catholics can perpetuate their devotion to particular aspects of the sacramentals, but also gain specific kinds of graces, because each sacramental is designed to beget specific kinds of graces. This is why it took me almost half an hour to do all the blessings, because the blessings of the sacramentals are what's called constitutional blessings. They're specifically designed for the sacramental that's there. So the blessing for holy water is different from the one for oil. The one for... Uh, the one for um, <coughs> Benedict medals is different from the ones from the miraculous medals because you're actually asking for specifically different kinds of things. Now this brings up an important point. There is a general, there's a general principle in the church it's called prayer begets what it signifies. If you ask for something, that's what you're going to get. So in the blessings, the reason most, a lot of, not most, but a lot of priests are switching to the old blessings is because there was stuff being asked for the old blessings that and, uh, Pope uh, Benedict said in Samorum Pontificum in 2007 that any priest can use these, that they were never suppressed. So the reason a lot of priests are switching to them is because there's stuff being asked for them that aren't being asked in the new rite of blessings. In the rite of blessings, it tends to be very vague and general. And in fact, one of the things that they said in the new book of blessings, when I read it, I almost fell out of my chair, because it said, you're not to bless the thing, you're to bless the people using the thing. Okay. First, this is a complete lapse in understanding of the nature of sacramentals. Remember when I just got done saying here that certain sacramentals have an inherent effect? When you bless the item, it breaks the demonic control over the item, or it, the item itself becomes an instrument by which you can drive demons out. So basically by saying don't bless the items, you're basically ceding material reality to the demon's control. That is nuts. And it's a sign of lack of faith somewhere. Whoever slipped that line into there, I have no clue. Of course, they're now revamping the Book of Blessings because they realize that it's, I mean, they've realized that it just doesn't have the same oomph. For example, the prayer for blessing of holy water, and the right does render it holy water, but it's not exercised and blessed holy water. So there's a big difference because what you, the prayer you say over the ritual, or the ritual that you say over the thing, will determine what you're going to get from the sacramental to some degree, as in addition to the person's use. Okay, so there's different kinds of sacramentals. One is called, um, they call it, I'm going to give you the Latin titles, but I'll explain what they mean. The first one is called orons. It's just the general prayer. This is the public prayer of the church, whether liturgical or private. So the actual ritual of the Mass is a sacramental. The sacraments occur within the ritual, but the ritual itself is a sacramental. The various things you use in the sacramental, like I said, the bells, uh, incense, and things of this sort. And then there is, uh, and these are whether you use them in private or public, but the liturgical um, rites of the church, this is one of the reasons why very often people will try and get um, ecclesiastical approbation for a particular uh, um, devotion so that as a result of that the people will also receive the grace from the rituals of the church and in relationship to it. The next is called tinctus. This is the use, tinctus means to touch literally or to dip. So 
It's the use of holy water. It's the use of holy water specifically. There's three, there's essentially four kinds. I take that back. There's four kinds of holy water. The first is the one that they do in the new rite, which is holy water. It is blessed and it does have some effect. The next is the one done in the old rite, which has an exorcism and blessing of the salt before it's added, an exorcism and blessing of the water, and then the two are mixed and another prayer is said. Above that is another form of holy water called epiphany water, which also includes, uh, if I remember correctly, it includes a threefold exorcism of the water, but the whole thing is chanted. A lot of priests don't like to do it on the, on the Feast of the Epiphany because it actually takes, or the day before the Epiphany, it actually takes you about 30 minutes if you do it properly. The problem is, is that what we've discovered as exorcists is that it has more effect. So if you can get yourself a hold of holy water, it's very useful. In relationship to water, and this is a little trick that you can know, in relationship to holy water and in relationship to um, exercised oil, with the water, you can, if the water goes down, like if you have a container, if it goes down, as long as it doesn't get past a half, so I tell people, as a general rule, don't let it get past a third, don't let it get past a third, just so you don't have the problem. If it doesn't get past a half, you can actually add water to it and the whole container will contain the blessing. So the new water you add is also blessed. That way you don't have to keep running to the priest necessarily every time, but I tell people you should renew it somewhat frequently. The same thing applies to holy oil, because you can actually have, once the oil is exercised and blessed, because in the old rite the oils are actually exercised and blessed, you can add that same kind of oil to it, and then if it, as long as it doesn't get past a half and you add that other, say, third, then it, the whole thing will, contain the, will retain the blessings. So this, there's various kinds of unctions too. So there's different kinds of things that you can actually anoint. You can take holy oil and you can actually anoint the entrances to your homes. You should have your homes blessed every year, once a year. And I tell people if you have teenagers, you should be sprinkling holy water around regularly. <laughs> but the point being is, is that um, you should be blessing it regularly. Don't presume once it's blessed, it's, things are good. Because if somebody commits some type of evil in there, and you may not even know it, some type of mortal sin, it doesn't necessarily break the blessing, but it can under certain circumstances. So you have to make sure that that's, that's the case. The next kind is called edens, E-D-E-N-S, and it's basically eating. So it's the things that you can eat. You can eat blessed food. You can drink holy water to get protection. Um, you can also, uh, the uh, salt can be used to consume. You can spread it around your house that's blessed in the um, uh, uh, blessings for water in the old rite. You can use that uh, as well. You can eat that. You can consume it. You can even consume the uh, the exercised oil, I tell people don't fry your bacon in it, but you can put it on your salad, just make sure it's all consumed and that it's, it breaks up so that nothing is being, no sacrilege is actually occurring. Just the blessing over your food. I know a man who became possessed by eating cursed wine, or drinking, eating, drinking cursed wine. You should, as a general rule, bless every single thing you consume. Because not that you're likely to come across cursed wine. Although if you do, you can come tell me and I'll, let you, I'll give you a hand. But the point is, is that you can, uh, you can bless everything. You should bless everything. And this is one of the reasons why the church used to do it. The church used to do it for a variety of different reasons. One is for us to recollect that everything we're consuming is a gift from God. The second part of it is, is to, if there's any kind of uh, malefice put on the relationship with the thing, it would be broken. 
And then the third part of it was, is to actually bless the foods so that we receive the benefit of protection and spiritual aid through that process of eating it. There's all sorts of kind of blessed foods, not just the stuff you bless about when you're about to eat at dinner. And you shouldn't have this, um, you shouldn't have any shame in blessing your food in public. If people have a hang up with it, that's their problem. So, but you should, you know, obviously you don't sit there and say, hey, everybody, look, we're going to bless our food. Obviously, when you're in public. But you just, you should be blessing your food regularly. But there's different kinds of blessed food. You can have wine blessed. One of them that I like is you can have beer blessed. You can have, um, uh, there's all sorts of different breads for different feasts, like the Feast of St. Holbert, there's a blessing for bread. Um, you can have all sorts of blessings done of, over different kinds of food. There's ones for fruits, I think, and there's a few other ones. But they're all in the old ritual, and you can have the priests actually do them on the feast days. And they were done on specific feast days uh, for various reasons. Then there's what they call, another one's called confessus. This is the general avowal of fault which is made in the confiter recited at Mass. It's a sacramental. Now here's what they're saying is, is this. It's, do you remember when the priest turns around right before you receive communion he does the um, absolutions? The, there's a, that absolution is sacramental in nature. It's a sacramental in nature. It is no, it's a sacramental. It is not a sacrament at Mass. At ma- basically, what does this mean? If you're in the state of mortal sin or if you have venial sins and you go to the priest and you confess your sins when he gives you the absolution provided that you're properly disposed, you will automatically be restored to grace or you'll have an increase in grace. Automatically. And how much you receive depends on what your dispositions are. But you'll still be restored to the order of grace. The sacramental of absolutions, when the priest says, indulgentum absolutum at right before communion, that absolves people of all of their... It's a sacramental, it's not a sacrament, it's a sacramental, and it absolves people of their venial sins who are devoutly attending Mass. So even if you've given into distractions or what have you, if you have venial sins that you don't have any mortal sins, they're actually forgiven at that point if you're properly disposed. You can even have your, the saints are very clear, and the church herself says that you can actually even have your sins remitted or forgiven just by pious acts, like communion and things of that sort. But this one is a sacramental in the sense that it's, when the priest says it, then you receive the, the forgiveness of your venial sins. So then people say, well, do I have to confess my venial sins? Well, technically speaking, you never have to confess your venial sins. It's just prudent. The church at Trent says that you're required to confess your mortal sins. But your venial sins, they recommend so that you can receive the grace for them and then receive the sacramental grace to stay out of those particular sins in the future. The next one is called dons, D-A-N-S, and it means alms. So when you're giving alms to somebody, and if you're doing it with the right intention, and you're doing it in the state of grace, when you give the alms to somebody, it actually constitutes a sacramental this is one of the reasons why the church always said, if some guy breaks into the box in the back that says poor, for the poor, and he steals what's out of there, it's sacrilegious theft. One of the things that I find extremely alarming, I actually gave a guy some money to start a website, and nothing's happened since. Uh, but he was supposed to start a website where items that were already blessed or sacred could be exchanged without simony occurring. The fact that people are buying sacred objects off of eBay constitutes simony, which is a form of sacrilege. So I had someone once email 
the person who was selling one of these religious, the sacred items, and said, uh, don't you think you're committing simony? And he writes back and he says, yeah, but once it's sold, he says, no, because once it's sold, it's no longer blessed. Right, because you just committed sacrilege with it. That's why it's no longer blessed. That's what he didn't get. And you can't seem to get them stopped. So I was trying to set up a website where that stuff could be exchanged by donation for people's time, etc. But you're not buying the things. But so be very careful about that to not participate in people's simony. Some people say, well, aren't we rescuing these things? Uh, maybe in some cases, but you should be certain that it's going to go to a ne a nefarious activities first before you're actually going to do that. If you're not certain about it, you're participating in the person's simony. The next is called benedictions, which is, these are different kinds of blessings, like the papal blessing, Ubi et Orbi, where he gets up there and he blesses everybody in the world who's participating in some way in, in being attentive to when he gives the blessing. Or Episcopal blessings. You can, priests can even give blessings over the phone as forms of sacramentals. This also includes blessed candles. In the old rite, the candles actually bless asking God to drive the powers of darkness out of the air where the thing is burned. So this is one of the reasons that it's good to burn a candle in your home. Unless you've got little kids, you've got to be careful, obviously. But the candles are actually very beneficial. There's also ashes at, on, on Ash Wednesday. The palms that you have, which we're coming up to, uh, not this weekend, but the next weekend on Palm Sunday, you're actually going to, the palms are themselves sacramentals. And the ashes are normally taken from the palms that were blessed the prior year and burned, and then that produces the ash for the sacramentals. If you look at the various sacramentals, in addition to holy water and exercised oil, if you look at the particular items, there's all sorts of different kinds of metals. So, like, the Benedict Medal is actually designed specifically to drive demons out of the area and to give you spiritual protection. One of the common practices that people will do is put the Benedict Medals over all the entrances to the home. The, in the Epiphany Blessing, the chalk is blessed beforehand, and then the chalk is used to write over the entranceway. That chalk, when that's done, leaves a residual blessing from the chalk because the chalk is blessed, so it's on the thing. It leaves the blessing over the mantle or over the entranceways to the house. This is one of the reasons why you want to have a priest do the Epiphany Blessing each year in your home. There is incense. You can actually bless the incense or have the priest bless the incense, and then when you burn it in the home, it has the same effect as burning the candle. It drives the demons out of the air. The Benedict medal can be worn, carried, etc. You can also give it to people who you think are suffering from diabolic problems and they may not be aware of it. Just say, here, why don't you carry this with you? Maybe it'll give you some help. Another one that is particularly effective is the miraculous metal um, and also the green scapular, which is connected to it. But basically, those will help to convert people. They actually, very commonly, will take miraculous metals and place them in a location that they're trying to purchase. That's something that you can do. Like if there's a house that you really want, you can take and put the, bury the miraculous metal in the guy's yard. Make sure you don't get caught. <laughs> and then very often, Our Lady will arrange it so that you get that house or that building or what have you. But you can also put like green scapulars are great to put under people's bed mattresses. You got to make sure they don't find them who are suffering that are, you know, having some type of difficulties in their spiritual life or but not leading good lives. And a lot of times it'll help to bring about their conversion. The beauty of it, sometimes I go out to California about three or four times a year, and the beauty of the people out there is they're so clueless. You give them anything, they're like, oh, this is cool, yeah, I'll take one, and they don't have a clue of the spiritual benefit they're going to get from this thing. 
the problem is, is Satanists do the same thing. They're selling stuff now that's being cursed. This is another reason why you want your house blessed. And the intention of the priest is supposed to bless the house and everything in the house. So, but the point is, is that you can actually benefit people this way. Scapulars, there's all different kinds of scapulars. The scapular of St. Michael, which is black, which is for spiritual protection. Mount Carmel, same thing. Also, there's... Um, uh, there's, like I said, there's a kajillion different kinds of them. There's one scapular that has all five major scapulars. There's another one that's it's a violet scapular that just came out recently that's supposed to provide protection. There's a different kinds of them, and you can, you can pick them up, and you can look and investigate them and find out what, what do I need in my spiritual life, and get those, and make sure the priest gives the constitutive blessing to that specific sacramental. Don't have him just come in and say, Benedictus, Benedictus, and sprinkle some holy water on it. Yes, it's blessed now, but the problem is, is that he's not asking for the benefits that you're trying to get from this particular sacramental. So, and usually what will happen is, is when you bring this into the priest and you say, hey, I want you to do this, and I want you to save these blessings and do this one, the priest is like, ugh, because it's work, right? I hate to be the bearer of bad news, but a lot of priests are lazy because they don't want to do the work. This is one of the reasons why the new book of blessings, which is extremely short, priests were all happy because it meant cut down on their work. Yeah, but there's a reason why the blessings were longer in the past. Every time I see a, a, um, a Benedict medal, I'm like, ugh, because it's a 10-minute affair. But... The benefit that people get from it, you can't replace, right? So it's really important. Um, even the symbols and everything on the Benedict Medal are specifically designed to drive out Satan. So this is one of the reasons why you want to keep them and have them, carry them with you. So there's different kinds of sacramentals. In addition to the scapulars, there's also statuaries. Statuaries, if they're blessed, they become sacramentals. Now, one of the things that alarms me is people, when they come into the sacristy and they're toting this statue of St. Joseph, they say, Father, would you bless the statue of St. Joseph? My first question is, what are you going to do with it? <laughs> because inevitably, oh, I'm going to bury it upside down and to sell my house. No, you're not. That's a superstitious act to bury it upside down. Now, what I'll tell them is, well, you can take it, and you can take it home. I'll bless it, and you can take it home, and why don't you pray in front of it and get your devotion up a little bit to speed, and maybe he'll sell your house for you. But the other part of it is, is can you bury sacramentals to sell things? Yes, you can do that, too. But you have to be careful. But the upside-down thing is completely superstitious. Where that came from, I'm still trying to track down. But the, the, but the various statues, you can get the various statues to help your devotion in various ways. And, and if nothing else, expressing the devotion to a particular saint can be very helpful. One of the things, too, is rosaries, different kinds of chaplets. So the rosary itself is a sacramental. If you have it blessed and you say that it actually has, it itself is an extremely powerful sacramental. The Sorrowful Mother Rosary, sometimes called the Sorrowful Mother Chaplet, which is um, seven beads seven for seven decades, is also very beneficial. One of the benefits of saying the, um, I mean, Our Lady has all sorts of, if you say the rosary, there's these, there's these promises, and then it's the same thing with the Sorrowful Mother Rosary as well. One of the advantages of the Sorrowful Mother Rosary is, is that Our Lady promises to protect you and your family from diabolic influence. There's the Chaplet of St. Michael. There's just a whole different variety of things. There's also, they have, I mean, if you get on there, there's a kajillion different kinds of these things. And what this actually tells us about the church's sacramental life is it's extremely rich. 
There's practically a sacramental for every spiritual need. And when you're finding that there's something that you're struggling with, go get it. So, like, for example, if somebody's struggling with chastity, get a miraculous medal and a Benedict medal and carry them with you. Also, crucifixes are a form of sacramentals. You can have that as well. Or even the crucifixes with the, the Benedict um, crucifixes are the best because they've got the, um, the Benedictine medal inside, so you get the double whammy from the crucifix and from the Benedict medal. So those are really beneficial. But you can find out, you know, if you're struggling with something, then, you know, try and find sacramentals that will actually help. So with your children, if they're talking badly, you make them drink holy water. No. But the point is, is that there are ways to help yourself to overcome specific kinds of things based upon the sacramental life of the church. And you don't want to um, not make use of them. If you ever hear a priest say something like, you know, oh, the use of these things is all superstition, the priest has lost his faith because he doesn't understand the fundamental function of sacramentals and how the church makes use of them. Christ himself used sacramentals. How do we know? When he healed people, like you see this, he would, he would spit on the ground, make a mud paste out of it. That became a sacramental because it came from him who was holy. And he would spread it on the guy's eyes. And then he said, go wash, your, go wash in the... Um, the, uh, the river Bethany, so he'd go and he did. And so then he, then he received his sight. And God wants us to be, the other aspect of the sacramental is it's a constant recalling to us, it's a tangible thing. You know, the reason the Protestants don't have sacramentals is because they fundamentally don't understand how they work. Protestants, in fact, I was just in an airport and got asked by a Mormon who's not even a Protestant, but he's like, what's the story with the statues? So then I told him, it's a reminder. I said, do you have, do you have pictures of your parents? And he says, yes. And I said, why do you have them? He says, so that I can see them and I can, you know, remind me of them. I said, yeah, it's the same with this. It's just that we're reminding ourselves of people that went before us, and we're just simply asking them to help, to pray to God for us for help. But the point is, is that um, the sacramentals, if the, if the priest thinks they're superstitious, he doesn't have a clue. Now, can people make superstitious use of sacramentals? Yes, just like I said with the with the uh, statue of St. Joseph. But that doesn't mean that the actual use, if you use it with faith then you're going to basically get a lot of blessings from that. And the church used to provide these sacramentals because we're in spiritual warfare. You know, the, what's, the, the, the fact of the matter is, is, ever since the fall of Adam and Eve, they introduced dominion of Satan to some degree. He now has influence to some degree on the material order, and we're all part of that, and so now we're all fighting this thing. And so this is why the church and Christ has made use of these things in order for us and provided them for us so that we can actually fight the spiritual battle. They're also a reminder, so they're a reminder. They'll help your devotional life. The rosary is more tangible, so it helps you keep track of the beads, but it also, when you feel something, it actually keeps your mind focused. So they have a very important function. Sometimes just seeing a Benedict medal, you know, sitting there next to your, um, or, you know, hanging off your bedpost, it reminds you, okay, yes, I have to be under the protection of God. So it's a constant reminder, and this is why they're so beneficial. What we're going to do is we're going to take about a 10-minute break, and then we're going to, for those who want to go to the question and answer session, we're going to have it over because it's not appropriate to do in the church. We're going to have it over back at the uh, refectory where we've been eating, um, at the cafeteria. And so we'll have, um, then we'll have a, probably about 30, 35 minutes of question and answer there. So if you'll kneel, I'll give you a blessing. Benedictio Dei Omnipotentis Patris et Filii et Spiritus Sanctions Super Vos et Manet Semper. Amen.